on the spencers of pets, poking out at the cons, renaissance fests, watch animated chicks with inflatable breasts. You might be a trekkie, eh, sit back and watch as the uber geek goes and kicks it up a notch. Turn to the letter F in your dictionary and add this word to your vocabulary. Take a look, cause I'm the real McCoy. Damn it, Jim, I'm not a doctor, I'm just the definition of a fanboy, baby. Here is your host, probably the biggest guy to come out of the Shakespeare Festival, Derek Lady Macbeth McCaw. Were they all small people? They were. I, it, it, he didn't say which Shakespeare Festival I came out of. Um, yeah, it was the Sunnyvale Shakespeare Festival, small one. We were just three of us. And uh, and you were the tallest. Uh, no, I just weighed the most, really. Oh, okay. I'm going to say they were willowy people. Kit Wilder, thin. Uh, so, uh, yes, this is Derek McCaw, editor-in-chief of fanboyplanet.com. And we are podcasting on Thursday. And I only make note of the di- difference in day because uh, allegedly this is going to make it easier for me to read comics before uh, we podcast. And it just did not happen. Uh, but we are podcasting on Thursdays for the foreseeable future. And why we were really making a point of that is because we're considering doing live call-in shows. Rick is uh, is pondering. I have the technology. He and says we have he a, does. We have a really big table here. Yes, yeah, so we are open. Oh, and it's and, quiet. And so we could put a huge person-sized phone. And is that, I mean, I don't know what <laughs> we'll put a little mustache on it. <laughs> That'd be great. Um, little Groucho glasses. Uh, anyway, this is uh, October 4th, Thursday, October 4th. And uh, we are podcasting from the undisclosed location of the Brett Cave, which I guess is sort of disclosing, but none of you know where it is. Mm. You can't look it up on Apple's Maps. <laughs> Actually, it's... <laughs> you can't look up anything on Apple yeah. Maps. You, so, try, you try, and it's a military base right, somewhere. So, oh, that makes sense. You're back at Lon's uh, place. So, uh, of course, with me wearing his, the... Team Iron Crotch. The, the f- family flag. Uh, team Iron Crotch. <laughs> I am Nate Costa. Doing more to support I would just love to see work. in front of the house one of those banner flags. Right. Down. <laughs> yeah. That's a good idea. That would be awesome. <laughs> <laughs> Write that down. That's a marketing, the marketable uh, idea. Come on, Ben, if you're listening, and I know you're not, uh, do, <laughs> do, a, do a flag. All right. And across, uh, our, uh, he keeps opening his secret base to us. Podcast producer and moral compass. Spoilers! It's Rick Brett Snyder. Which part is which part is the spoiler? Everything I've been saying to you this evening <laughs> is apparently a spoiler. Is a spoiler. It's true. I yeah. Uh, uh, well, it's okay. I've been making you crestfallen. It, that's a, uh, yes, yes, yes. Okay, and now you have a supervillain identity. You are the crestfaller. <laughs> the crestfaller. No, I'm man the crestfeller. Uh, oh, okay. Um, and so we're going to talk some about comics because the Joker returned this week. Uh, we're going to talk about the difficulties of, of navigating Marvel now at your local comic shop. Uh, I did want to talk about uh, Grant Morrison having his first uh, in a long time creator-owned comic, Happy Number One, 
on the heels of having Morrison Kahn. Uh, in movies, uh, hey, we got a lot of Doors fans showed up for that. <laughs> yeah, it was totally <laughs> wrong. Um, <laughs> Lone Ranger trailer. So the first look uh, or the first uh, audio of uh, both Army Hammer and Johnny Depp. Uh, Frankenweenie opens here. Oh, casting rumors about Rocket Raccoon in Guardians of the Galaxy. And mm. who's going to appear in Captain America Winter Soldier that we had not known about before this week? And speaking of that on television, the, there are rumors of rumors of who the S.H.I.E.L.D. agents are going to be. Uh, Rick watched Last Resort and told me all about it. I have no need to watch it, but maybe you want to hear what he has to say. Oh, it's awesome. And uh, well, Great, that's it. And we say farewell to the ponds. And so, and uh, but before we... Uh, okay, right, I'm sorry. I'm going to write that down. Nate wants to talk about revolution. So you say you want to talk revolution. All right. And uh, before we get into the meat of this, I do want to, uh, of course, remind you that if you pick this up on iTunes, do subscribe, do rate us, assuming you like us, and tell your friends. Listen to us on the Stitcher app. Uh, you can also listen to us on www.fanboyplanet.com. And uh, while you're there, might as well kick a little bit in for uh, on the old PayPal. It's easy. Or you can order a book you would have ordinarily ordered anyway through Amazon through the Fanboy Planet link, which Brian Kent, thank you, Brian, good friend. Uh, who he was is, Fanboy of the Day yesterday. Yeah, and he's Fanboy of the Month, actually, because Brian's also the guy willing to wear our T-shirt if we make one. And, uh, and uh, he's also a house manager at Comedy Sports and Organization that uh, just celebrated his 25th anniversary that I have been with for 24 years. Excellent. And, uh, you know, we do have we do have a, another Fanboy Planet crossover there is that, of course, Derek Mears from uh, Friday the 13th, the, the latest Jason, is a, uh, is a comedy sports player. That so, just seems so wrong. It, But it is so right. He is one of the funniest guys. And i got to dig up. There's a video which Does I will. Does he wear the hand thing? I'm going to. That's Freddy. That's, that's Freddy. Oh, Rick. that's right. Oh. I'm not big on horror oh, Edit this part out. Take right? a Jared please, all. Please. Uh, Does he wear the mask? <laughs> yes. Uh, but anyway, there's a video floating around online, which we should put on Fanboy Planet, of uh, of Derek playing a, a supervillain named Boneless Boy in a... Um, <laughs> in an improvised superhero story, uh, which a young uh, Derek Mears is probably still this nimble, but it's frightening to watch all six foot seven of him be boneless. It's nice. amazing. Nice. So let's talk comics, shall we? Did you want to mention the uh, Maybe. mail we got, our notes from pe- from fans Well, see, but I've, I've been site? integrating those in. Will we be giving topics. them credit as we go I would, along? I would give them credit. I think credit. it's important. I, well, I agree with you. You might want to edit this out while we argue about it, like uh, the Bickersons. No, this is the best part. <laughs> <laughs> that, uh, by referencing things like the Bickersons that Nate doesn't know what I'm talking <laughs> about. But, yes, just last, in, last week and the week before when we did this, I will integrate it and give them credit at at the time. Thank you. You know, all right. I would just like to mention that if you're listening to the podcast and you don't like it, don't give us a negative review. Just stop listening. <laughs> or, you know. Or but, let us know. But, uh, yeah. yeah I, well, you could let us know why you don't like it, but don't give a negative, like, rating. I would like to know. Did you we know, get a negative rating? No. I no, don't, I don't know, but the, I'm just saying. The, Tiffany yeah. doesn't count. Uh, <laughs> so, I mean, she does. She Tiffany, loves the podcast. we love you. But, uh Anyway, I would like to get that kind of feedback, though. If there's something that's like, well, that went on, you know, I, I, I want to know. I feel like, you know, we're sometimes we, I, I know that a lot of people listen, but I feel like sometimes we're in a vacuum. I, you know, it's yeah. like, I, I know Brian Kent. 
Um, we know Brian Shimada. We know Dave Tapia, occasional contributor as well. We know Arian. You know, so the people we've come to know all these people. We've, know, we've come to know, like you know, there's like ten or twelve fandroids that we hear Our from local, on a regular yeah. basis, and they're positive, and that's wonderful. We'd love for there to be more, and 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 and, and that's wonderful. If there's negativity, you know, I, I don't know that it'll necessarily. Uh, I mean, I just want, I, I do just want to know: is there something that we're doing? Like, am I going on too long with my insecurity right now? Like, if this is a write in to editor at fanboyplanet.com and tell us what we're doing right and what we're doing wrong. Yeah. Um, and any questions, uh, you know? So, like I said, it does sometimes feel like we're in a vacuum. I listened to our uh, to the interview with Barry Bostwick last week, and I was just thinking about, well, gee, I mean, I don't know if. Did people like that? Do we want to be pursuing more live interviews like that? You know, probably I could do. We need to work on the sound quality of my work. That is not, by the way, at all. Rick's. I mean, I, I just want to say that because it dropped in quality. It's because I'm up going, a little bit. You may have, but there's only so much you could do, and so I'm, you know, I'm working off a landline. And, Sounded okay, and, and you know, so it was all a joke. I just want to know. That's my insecurity. Yeah. Uh, so, editor at fanboyplanet.com. Let's go into comics then, and let's talk. Uh, Fred, uh, you are just grabbing my thing away. Um, I don't. Uh, yeah, that sounded awkward. Uh, shall we start with a death? Death of a family is the Joker return at DC. I don't know. Uh, well, anyway, did you read any of it? Because you were the one that, that brought it up to us, Nate. No, I brought it up because Layman wrote Detective Number Thirteen, and that, <laughs> that's all you said. Okay, uh, I didn't have a chance to read any of it yet, but. We touched on it last week where uh, we were wondering if it all tied in with each other. And yes, yes it okay. does. It's a Batman crossover. And we know this is the Joker returning. Joker after... returning. But Layman's chapter is about the Penguin. Mm-hmm. And how that so did you read it? No, no. I haven't time. Oh, okay. I have not had time to read it. I understand. I'm not. A... I read Avengers vs. X-Men 12 and I read Happy. Yeah, there's a list of all the books that, are, that the storyline runs through in the back of yes. the DC yes. titles. Or at least at the back of Batman and Robin, I think it was. I'm so. sure it's in most of the I guess because time. I'm so used to it, I don't mind like a huge Batman family crossover even in this. Like, I mean, that's yeah. just been a tradition with the character forever. And this is where Rob Liefeld's accusation is accurate that it's like, it sometimes it feels like half the books that DC puts out are Batman related. But let's also say they're the ones that sell the best for them. Well, see, I don't mind. Then another a, quarter of them are Green Lantern books. A, ti- yeah. a family of titles crossing over with each other. I mind when it gets into books you don't different books read. because why am I buying all the Batman titles and now I have to go buy GI Combat or something? I don't. Eh. Yeah. But, you know, they've been doing a pretty good job. Like The, t- the, the Joker's in the war that time forgot? Exactly. Why would the Joker would be, be on the war? I don't know. Maybe he's what's haunting the tank. That that parliament, was it Parliament Owls? Uh, what was the... Uh, wait, wait, how quickly we forgot. The, the Court Owl, of Owls. Court of, of Owls. Whatever it was. Um, I don't buy all the Batman books, but I read enough of that just in Batman and Robin and Jonah Hex and mm-hmm. I think one other book I just picked up because yeah, it looked yeah, interesting. Yeah, yeah. And I, I felt like I had gotten the uh, <laughs> the whole of the thing. Nate. Jonah Hex, why? I don't care that he's based in Gotham 500 years it ago. It was actually kind of interesting. Just 120? What a, I want... It, the, gave, it gave them history. It gave, it's been going on for a long time. But the crossover should be limited to the books I actually read. Okay, so you should get a so list of I those wanna, to DC. Exactly. I so don't we need have the to Nate pick up, 52, not the new 52. Exactly. I don't want to have to pick up Batwoman or Batgirl or Batwing. I want Batman, 
Detective. Batman Dark Knight. Batman Will. Batman and Robin. That's it. Yeah. Leave them in those four. You want the core. Because no Nightwing, no no Red Robin, no none of that. Red Robin doesn't have a solo book right now. Whatever it is. Red Hood and the Outlaws. Solo book. Red Robin doesn't even have really much of a a handle on his own identity right now. Yeah. Or DC doesn't have a handle on it. Okay, so, but we know that the Joker is returning after having cut his face or, or having his face cut off. Or something like that. Uh, now, isn't that a continuation of Old Fifty Two though? No, or no, that appeared in that appeared 1? in the Bat- in Batman One. Okay. Right, okay. that was the not Scott Snyder, the other guy, Tony Daniel wrote that. I think where the Joker, Tony S. Daniel, Tony S. Daniel wrote that storyline where the the guy that was like reshaping people and, and remaking them in their Professor faces. Pig. It wasn't Professor Pig. It was no. the, I think it was called the the, the Doll Maker. It was a new oh, villain. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was oh, a new yeah, villain. Yeah. And the white the white rabbit was his right. uh um, Yeah. Yeah. Toady. It was it was a really cool, creepy Very creepy. Like, you know, again, could we could we have some Batman villains that could show up on a cartoon show that we don't feel disturbed by? But Professor Pig is on the cartoon. I know, I haven't, yeah. Has that started yet? No, it hasn't. No, okay. Uh, but uh while we're while we're ambling around this, we're still talking about uh I like that we amble. We amble. Have you been uh watching Young Justice? Because they finally got to the whole speedy arsenal thing. Oh, didn't And they're they? handling it quite well. And this is the one that's Invasion, right? That goes forward. Yeah. And then there's going to be This a, is the new season, which is a carryover from the second season. And there's season. going to be a, a video game tie-in as well that kind of throws in. Yeah. And uh, that, that show is uh, as my, good my and perhaps Sharon a little Scott more personal that. than the JLA shows used to be. And it incorporated, like, Green Arrow is in this one. And, you know, just... Well, it does feel like it has a different tone. And that's more yeah. of um, uh, Greg Weissman... Who did Gargoyles is the is one of the guys running uh, Young Justice, yeah. And he did the spectacular Spider Man show, mm-hmm. and that I, was a good show. Yeah, I think that there's something Greg really has a, a a nice handle on interpersonal relationships, and at least these series that he's worked on are more interested in the continuity than even to some extent like the Justice League Unlimited, though it had a continuity and it was heading somewhere. It, it still sandboxed their it, episodes a lot. Well, you know, and they were dealing with the entire DC universe. Yeah. And Young Justice has a wide range, It's mostly JLA. Too, and yeah, but and, and let's jump it over to TV, but why not? Let's, you know, yeah. let's jump around because it fits. Um, and the actual, the comic book has become... Uh, gone to in uh, the whatever no, I call it an invasion. Um, is it is that, is that what the Young Justice? Is yeah, I think it was a, a subtitle invasion. invasion. Subtitle invasion. So it, the last last week, Young Justice, uh, the comic book just updated to that. Oh, really? That's interesting. So you know, kids are caught up, and that's cool. and, that, and that's really good. It's, it's been a good book. Uh, so I, I want to say that too. It, DC has made a pretty good commitment to. Um, to the their kids, kids line. line, yeah. I've been reading. I just picked up because I've been buying it for my son. Is it still Johnny DC? I think so. Uh, or just as DC Nation, you know, uh, maybe. Uh, yeah, I think it's under DC Nation to match the cartoon, the the the, the block. Ser- the block. But uh, I so I started reading the Superman Family, which the which Art Baltasar and Tony Franco. I think that's in the, in the, I know it's Art Baltasar, the other guy, the Tiny Franco. Guy. The, the, they were doing Tiny Titans. Uh, turned over to the Superman family, and it's a good kids book. I mean, it's it's jokey, just like Tiny Titans was. Mm-hmm. But uh, they had uh, what I hadn't realized was that uh, Otis is in it. So it's Lex Luthor, oh, nice. Miss Tessmacher, and Otis. And but Otis. it's set much more firmly in regular DC continuity. So finally, getting those versions in, and Otis becomes the parasite in the last issue. Nice. And uh, but in a way that's purple like purple Superman. That's like yeah, purple Superman. Oh, he's sleepy when he's <laughs> you know. It's like oh yeah, it's not that he's killing I people. Need a nap. He makes people sleepy, and <laughs> then he gets sleepy 
when Superman defeats him in a clever way, you know, and it's and it's fun. The other the other show that's uh, really blowing away on on uh, for DC in the Saturday morning crowd is Green Lantern. The, mm-hmm. the latest the latest batch they just, they just introduced Guy Gardner, oh. and it's a Guy Gardner I could both dislike and really and, enjoy and like, watching which is exactly the the conundrum of guy gardner okay yeah. good and that you know and that book has been pretty interesting too the the kids book that's related to that and uh and i finally also by the way just to kind of jump to another kids is i caught up on booms snarked uh over the weekend uh that roger langridge does which is the walrus and the carpenter and giving them sort of a continuity in a in a kingdom that resembles the events of alice in wonderland but actually with far more coherency than uh, Alice Wonderland does, and it's just it's a fun, fun book. And basically, the the walrus and the carpenter are guys that want to be con men, that but their better natures keep conquering their abilities to uh, they have con people. Flashbacks to the eating of uh, no, the, they uh, keep having more. Oh no, they don't. They have no <laughs> guilt about that. That shows up at the end of the first issue, but uh, but they're you know, but they want to be immoral. And they can't, and they just keep, nice. you know. So it's it's clever. And Roger Langridge got the Eisner last summer at Comic Con for this best kids publication, and it really is. And it's called Snipe? Snarked, Snarked, because of the hunting of the snark. Right, right. So uh, you've been snarked, and uh, so it's it's a it's clever and holding up the cleverness far longer than I thought it would. Like I thought, oh, you tell the story of the Walrus and Carpenter. It's like no, it's clever. It's fun. So when I go out there. Um, Marvel Now. Uh, you, Marvel Now. He's got a little twitch. It's really more like a Marvel soon, because you had Avengers versus X-Men. ABX-12 came out today, mm-hmm. and then the Marvel Nows are going to start rolling out. The first one is next week, right? Is What's, it? Uh, what is next it? Next week is the 10th. It's the fir- the Uncanny Avengers. Oh, the Uncanny Avengers, okay. Okay, and that's a new title. Okay. Yes, you're accepting Here's that. Here's the problem. All right, Nate, go ahead. I email my local comic shop today to say, hey. You can name check them. Go ahead. Hijinks. Okay. Comics. They're mine, too. On Lincoln and Kurtner. No, Lincoln and Malone. Anyway. (laughs) So I emailed them and said, hey, you know, these are the new books, Marvel Now, that I want. I assume that books that are keeping the same title and just being renumbered can just stay on the list. For example, Captain America and... Uh, Deadpool, I think, was the other example I gave. I get the response. Actually, if you could give me a list of everything, because for some reason, the number change in the Marvel Now is changing everything in the system. So, oh, because they're doing the Diamond POS, something with di- yeah. Well, um, so now I need. So I, I mean, I went through and sent them an email with everything, mm-hmm. but you know, just because the uh, title stays the same doesn't mean your order stays the same. Right. Okay. So subscription services, uh, subscription services are having problems because some of the titles are changing. Like I understand, like the Incredible like Invincible Hulk. Iron Man is becoming indestructible, or no, Incredible Hulk is becoming indestructible. Hulk. Iron Invincible Iron Man is just going to be called Iron Man. Uh, the Mighty Thor is going to be Thor. The Mighty God of Thunder, oh, Thor, or God something Thunder. like that. Uh, yeah. So I mean, there's minor changes, and I get it. If you're changing the title of the book. You gotta say okay. I want. I appreciate that. I hate the volume. You know, the Avengers Volume Three, mm-hmm. like which is just an abstract run of well, numbers until they decide to change it. Probably makes again. it easier when you collect the trades if you're taking this take on the characters and the trade paperbacks. When you say okay, I I need Thor, God of Thunder. It's easier to find that instead of like okay, you know, what if we do a Indeed. Mighty Thor yeah. Volume 
well, which volume should this be when we should have gone back and reprinted from the beginning and done one, two, three, four, five, six, you know, right. so, which they subdivide out in the Marvel Visionaries line, too, like for the classic runs, and it, it's confusing. It is hard to... Uh, or are they keeping Journey to Mystery? Yes, but Loki is not going to be the the protagonist Maybe. anymore. Someone, mm. uh, some that was the other thing. Oh, Sif is going to be in Journey to Mystery. I right? think so. I think it's Sif. Yeah. And then they're doing. They had those new Marvel ads where it says uh, Savage, and it has like three slashes through it, and it's Frank Cho. Book. Yes, Frank Does that Cho's. mean Frank Cho's doing Wolverine? Because That's they haven't announced. Speculation. They haven't announced what the title is. Really, I would think it's Kazar again. He did Shannon the She Devil. I think you yeah, go back right. to the that's, Savage Land. That is, the, the, that was unless you're going to make Wolverine there's even speculation in the Savage Land. Exactly. Land. That's more yes. of the yes, the online speculation. Is and really, I just want Frank Cho to go back to Liberty Meadows. I'm sorry, I do. Beltville. Okay. So uh, that's all, that's my only nitpick with Marvel now. Okay, but you're still I looking mean, forward to. Yeah, I'm looking books. forward to the. Uh, I mean. I never collected X-Men. I'm still not going to with Bendis on it. I don't care that he's writing it. Uh, I'm excited that Hickman's going to be on Avengers. And I, yeah, I am too. I'm I hoping that Remender's good on Avengers because Remender gave us Franken-Punisher or whatever. Was that Castle. good? No, it was terrible. Oh, because yeah, I think Remender is like... To me, he's he blows hot and cold. Well, like exactly. every, you know, every writer has, is going to have their downside. Uh, you know, they're off they're off books where it's just not a good fit. Like it's you know whether I like or not, say Jeff Johns as one you know over at DC. But when Jeff Johns wrote for Marvel, it, for whatever reason, that was just not a good fit at all. Just like when Dan Slott wrote for DC, mm-hmm. nobody sparked to it, though he wrote some interesting stuff. So Remender is like Fear Agent, great book. And he had a whole bunch of things out of Image that were really like doll and creature. Um, there was something else too. He, he had a four or five creator own series. There were like six issue miniatures just exploring concepts, and they were really cool. And then when he re- went over to DC, and I was excited that he was going to do uh, Power of the Atom. He wrote most of the Ryan Choi stories. That it just it just didn't work, uh, you know. And I don't know what it was. Here's this really good writer, and it just didn't work. But over at Marvel, he seemed to have really hit his stride, something about maybe just the grittiness of what the Marvel Universe kind of has at its core mm-hmm. uh, fit better. But then I was curious about Frankencastle, and, and now I don't know. Yeah, yeah I figured I'd only, I I that's, was going to read it in the trade of it. I was like, oh, yeah, out. Punisher, cool. Remender on Punisher, great. And then all of a sudden, he turned him into a oh, monster. Like, this this isn't well, he's been, he's been like a, an avenging angel. Maybe. He's been a woman. Yeah. We don't talk about that avenging yeah. angel thing no Rick. no we don't like to talk about he's it. been in some like movies Rucka on punisher right now i think that's it, good uh rucka quit because they're gonna put i know punisher on the team but i think i think the angel one that 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 first marvel knights thing yeah i think that they like retconned it that he just had a really bad hallucination <laughs> it was like woke up in the shower and uh and and victoria principal was that's not a bad dream well, um, i saw something interesting this could just be a f- something that they haven't changed yet in the solicitation. Is that Rucka was on Punisher Warzone in December? The current Punisher book is just called Punisher. Right. The Punisher team book is Punisher on the Thunderbolts with Red Hulk and Elektra mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. etc. So we all know Rucka quit. I think they haven't changed solicitation. I think it was no. pretty sudden. Okay. Um, that makes sense. And because they're still they, they still show Joe Keating on the Thanos. 
thing. Thanos, which isn't existing yeah. anymore. <laughs> yes. So, yeah, so there's the problem. Um, so let's talk. Uh, speaking of Joe Keating, he was in Las Vegas last weekend. That's right. For the first, and I don't know if it's going to be annual or we'll just say it just happened, Morrison Con. Not where you gather for Morrison will be using the Mayan calendar to it, figure out what happened. It's not where you gather to dance around a pole. It's not where you celebrate the doors. It's mm-hmm. where you celebrate the man that I believe should most be celebrated, who apparently had to keep insisting uh, you know, that he is not a shaman, he is not a leader, he is not a priest, and yet clearly you just had a cult-like convention gathering of followers. Uh, Grant Morrison. Yes. Uh, to further speculate, Yes, I've seen speculation that each year the the guest of honor's name will be the name of the con. Oh, okay, I think that'd be great. So, so it's kind of like Marvel premiere. So who should be the next, you know, I mean, it, it wasn't really. Pickman. Is he big enough yet? Kirkman con. Kirkman con, maybe. Maybe, but I mean, he's still. Bendis con. Mm-hmm. That yeah, sounds too much con. like you're trying to take over China. We could have John's con. <laughs> Well, it doesn't have to. It could be Kirby Con. Doesn't I have think to be alive. Was, uh, no, I think by the nature of what James Syme, who founded, uh, who organized this one, was trying to do, is it is to celebrate a living creator. Howard Con. <laughs> it's like the Wicker Man, though. At the it, end, yeah, and at the end, they burned Grant Morrison <laughs> in a huge glitter effigy. Um, apparently, there was like a Las Vegas Comic Con at the same time on at a different hotel. Huh. Say, you know, so I, I don't know how that necessarily worked, but. Uh, I, I I really was considering Morrison Khan. I thought I just because again that's the creator that like I've been as close as I am to you right now, Nate Costa, to Grant Morrison, and still been to like this is just not the moment to meet him. I can't uh, right. Wuss. I no. I not with guys, my biorhythm so low. No, it was because uh, I had chickened out. Uh, it was at the Frank Frazetta party where Robert Rodriguez uh, was so you hosting. Chickened out, you I kind of chickened out. Yeah. I mean, I real, you know, I yeah. Um, <laughs> yes, uh, but the truth is, I I am just in awe of Grant Morrison, and I read him, and I, it just, my mind gets blown. You read the first chapter of Super Gods, which admittedly the rest of the book is not that good, um, but the first chapter of Super Gods is like, oh, yes, of course. And you mentioned earlier it was a bit cost prohibitive. Yes, you it was more expensive. specific it was, on that. It was like. Six or seven hundred dollars just Holy to attend a pass to go in. Yeah, give me a break. Yeah, and then there was hotel. But I mean, but the thing is, it was small. Yeah, and you could so bet it should have been five dollars. And you could no, because you could bet that you would have you would get your chance to have a conversation with Grant Morrison. And for guys like us, no, I understand. Like we go, okay, we've been at parties. I was just describing. I've been at a party where right. Grant Morrison was there. Uh, we know Joe Keating. Uh, you know, we've we've played poker with Joe. Um, we sort of we've know. We've interviewed James, Robert Kirkman uh, over and over, over again. Over, yes, you know, asked I mean, him terrible questions, and he probably would recognize. Yeah, I, you, you, right? restraining yeah, you, order? No. Yeah. Um, yes. And uh, <laughs> and then James Gunn was there, and like like you know, we did, uh, James. I mean, but but for the people that aren't telling people that they're journalists uh <laughs> it might be worth it to be like this is the weekend to really if you got a lot of money and you don't get out much and you're a real big morrison fan you go to vegas that's right right yeah i you know it works for me yeah and uh so i yeah it was interesting and then he had it, it, it dovetailed nicely with the release from image comics of happy number one so you read that so we can talk about that I did uh, about a mob hitman 
Um, which you couldn't even tell that part of the story straightforward. Like I had to keep rereading the first four pages. Like who's killing who and why? Who took out a contract? Yeah. Who's the good guy? Who's the bad guy? All I know for sure is that a feathered blue unicorn. Almost a My Little Pony. Almost a My Little Pony, but not really for copyright purposes. <laughs> uh, and uh, who kind of sounds like, in my head, sounds like Goofy. The speech patterns are very much like, mm-hmm. oh, oh, oh. Um, and, and it's part of the way Derek Robertson drew him. Um, you know, but unicorn and and wings, and only the hitman can see it. Mm. But it has a mission that is almost like it's the Christmas miracle to f- fulfill while he's trying to dodge all the forces that are allied to kill him. Mm. And uh, so, and hilarity ensues. We've got to keep you alive. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Don't you hear it? Uh, it does sound like that. Uh, come on. I said it. Now you. Now you're. That's all you'll hear. <laughs> We gotta go save Susie. <laughs> oh, so um, yeah. What did you think? I mean, I love the art. I thought Derek Robertson's art was great. I really liked the art. Uh, it was it was interesting. I had to re. I was like lost a couple times. Of course, I had the. Did I have a baseball game on? I think the Giants game was on. No, you you can you so. you have to read a Grant Morrison book in absolute silence. Apparently, that's you have to go with candles. The, you have to go into the altered states uh, isolation chamber and wow. float in salt water. I should have water. remembered that after reading Final <laughs> Crisis and. Uh, <sighs> yeah. No, if you read, if you're in a, if you're in isolation chamber, yeah. If you're in an isolation chamber and you try and read Final Crisis, you're not coming back. No, if you get the uh, the uh, edition, the hardback of it, or the the collection that includes the Supermans that he did, the Superman Infinite issues, the, the ones with the th- that were in three D. Oh. Yeah. oh yeah, yeah, oh yeah, that's a trip, man. You're gonna change it to a blob, blob who, who monster. Who needs acid? No, yeah, I come out of my bedroom and I hit the walls and I change into you know Blair Butler. And I'm like Scratch Nine by Rob. You know, I'm going back into my past lives right there. All of whom, by the way, ate poorly. So uh, <laughs> it was disappointing to discover. Uh, wow! But uh, yeah, so yeah, it was interesting. I want to see where it's where it's going. I mean, yeah. I, of course, it's only I'm four a, issues though. The, I'm okay with that. Yeah, I want more issues. Just in time. Well, we'll see. We, maybe there'll be a ha- maybe there'll be a happy two. We had twelve issues of Avengers versus X Men. You can't give me more than four happy. But they weren't all by one guy. No, I know, but they were. Um, I'm happy. Unfortunately, I, I'm happy with it just being four issues. Yeah, I'm happy tell, with tell it a short story. I'm happy that he's there. Yeah, yeah. And so, uh, yeah, hmm. I, 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 that hurt. That just really. I'm sorry. Um, uh, so let's uh, move to some movie stuff, shall we? Um, we got our first look officially. I mean, there've been stills released, but the Lone Ranger, which has been in development at, D- at DC, at Disney. Uh, that's Marvel. Sorry, uh, at, at Disney Studios for years. Like I think I can remember a Baycon, uh, maybe even before we were doing the podcast. Yeah. When um, they had announced it, and I and I put two and two together, like they had registered something, and, and uh, like Family Planet was one of the first to figure out, hey, Disney's doing Lone Ranger, and it was like brand new, and that's like six, five or six years ago. Yeah. And uh, so finally, it's there. Gore Verbinski uh, directing. Johnny Depp is Tonto. Army Hammer, a guy who I would like to see make it big. I mean, he is making it big, but but to be recognized for who he is instead of, oh, yeah, that guy um, is the Lone Ranger. Interesting logo. Did you catch that? Looks like a Batman. 
No, it's the it's the raven on uh, I know, but Tonto's it's still, head. It kind of looks like if you look at it, if you glance at it, it almost looks like the bat bat symbol uh, inspired. Uh, I didn't really see. It. I saw I saw the raven. I just thought it was a clever combination of yeah. of what they had finally given Tonto as a unique look, right? And combining both, and then of course everybody online is like going, "It's the Johnny Depp. It's this is the movie. Where's the Lone Ranger going to be? It's all going to be about Tonto." And I'm like, "Well." Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so every time I hear uh, Army Hammer, I think of Arlie Army. W- wow. Um, <laughs> and Arlie Army is very carefully grooming Army Hammer, and when uh, he gets at the right age, he's going to step into a portal that will then possess Army, Army Hammer's body. I don't know. That was a well-timed bark. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so the dogs didn't like that remark. Uh, They weren't following me on that being John Malkovich trip, but uh, that's okay. (laughs) Dogs do not appreciate the work of Charlie Kaufman. Dogs don't have sense. So uh, the only thing I was there had been rumors that like the Lone Ranger was going to take on. There was like scenes with werewolves. Yeah, I don't see that as the Batman thing. I I don't automatically. No, because the well, you know, here it is because it's asymmetrical. Because it's one wing and not two, I I do not look and see and see that. But it's good that you say that because I saw it as the Lone Ranger. But but I get that I'm sure there are plenty of people that they're hoping will make that association and go, oh, it's oh, a new Batman movie. Well, and you know why not? That wasn't Batman, you know. But it was Johnny Depp, and he's a dream. Um, Johnny Depp is Batman. Gen- he'd make an interesting Batman. No worse than Michael Keaton. First Batman with a heroin addiction. <laughs> I think that uh, Christian Bale's on that list. <laughs> so he'd be the second Batman. <laughs> nice try, Rick. Nice try. Uh, uh, but it, it goes back to this whole thing about the train, and uh, it, it feels like I would just—I just was hoping there was I, not that I want it was all into the idea of, of of the Lone Ranger fighting werewolves. Although the silver bullet thing makes sense, but to to tell it. And maybe again, just I'm too aware of too many different versions of the Lone Ranger that to tell it all around the railroad again, and then it, so the railroad makes it look like Wild Wild West, which okay, granted, would be better than the actual film of Wild Wild West that yes. they did, um, and more like the awesome TV show. But also used, uh, but the, the same kind of plot was used in uh, Legend of the Lone Ranger, which most people have forgotten. Mm. But um, will they fight a giant spider? No, that I was. hope not. Oh. I hope not. Uh, that's that's been outlawed. I think. No, it has not. I, Unfortunately, it has not been outlawed yet. Oh, no, sure. no, because Michael Goodson does, still does not sleep comfortably at night. <laughs> He's he knows that giant spider is out there <laughs> waiting to devour him. All right. See um, the new David Wong book. Uh, no, but it, the, the trailer came out. They, they had the trailer. They have the trailer for John Dice at the end. Yeah, for the new book. For the, this book is full of spiders. Yes. But the, is the book out? No. It's right over there. <gasps> Damn it. I have to buy it. Okay. Uh, nobody offered me anything. I've got to contact David Wong and say, what the cover is awesome. You, man? Um, yeah, they did a trailer of it, though, that was that was pretty awesome. And uh, I can't remember who they, if they didn't use him, the actual guy who is let me get Let me get it for you. Since we're, go ahead. While I'm uh, while I'm faffing, uh, Rick is uh, going to get the book. Okay, so uh, then at Morrison Con, uh, James Gunn spoke and t- they got into an argument with um, Max Landis about whether or not Chronicle was a superhero movie, 
And, uh, yeah, this is kind of a disturbing book cover. This book is full of spiders. Uh, it feels like I might have ta- gotten a little too tactile. Um, and, uh, well, Rick, are you okay? Yeah. yeah okay. It's John Dies at the End. No, the, the sequel to John Dies at the End. But it's right. called, This Book is Full of Spiders. Seriously, dude, don't open it. Okay. We don't have, touch it. Don't touch it. Don't touch it. We have, uh, we have talked about this on the podcast a couple of times because, I'm very one, the movie adaptation of John Dies at the End is coming in December, allegedly from Magnet Releasing. And uh, I would just like to mention that David Wong is like a mashup of Douglas Adams and Stephen King. Quote, page turner is an understatement. Yeah. Uh, I agree with that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I believe uh, that when I interviewed David Wong, that's one of the things I said about him was that it felt like that it was exactly. But uh, I know it's not uh, it's not an original thought. It's like everybody immediately goes to it. His style is like Douglas Adams, but it is with a Stephen King's. I don't see any spiders in the book. No, I actually opened Because they escaped. They are somewhere in the Brett Cave right now. I love the fact the book looks like it's been burst from the center, and, and you've got origami uh, spiders in crawling fact, out. Uh, Nate, I wouldn't turn around if I were you. It's on your shoulder. Helps. <sighs> no. All right. Uh, so, anyway, they got into this, uh, James Gunn and Max Landis got into this argument over whether or not, like, Chronicle. Max Landis is, trying, is selling superhero projects left and right and trying to claim mm. they're not superheroes. He's saying they're just uh, powered individuals. Powered individuals, and therefore it's a it's just a trope. It's blah, blah, blah. they're not even heroes. And and James Gunn kind of and I, I imagine it's probably friendlier than the press wanted to make this. But James Gunn was kind of arguing, it's like, dude, you're surrounded by people who love superheroes. Why don't you just cop to it that the whole reason people went to see it was because they thought you know they're following your projects because they are superhero based and land us through a fit. Uh, but gun, somebody asked him about like what projects, what comic books he'd wanted to adapt and, uh, do he'd want to write and direct. And he said like Thunderbolts was one he wanted to do. Uh, and, Mm. and that before Marvel asked him guardians of the galaxy was one that he thought. So of course then people were trying to news about guardians, right? People were trying to ask him to about casting and he said, I can't talk about it. Um, but you know it's going to be wild enough that we could go with com- with complete unknowns. We have this huge list of people for Rocket Raccoon, and no, I hadn't seen the article. But Dave Tapia posted on Facebook asked if what we thought about um, Rooker, Michael Rooker. No, I'm sorry, it's not Dave Merle. Tapia. Brian Shimada uh, posted about this. Michael Rooker as Rocket Raccoon. Yeah, and you like that. He's got that, uh, you know, that kind of voice that I can buy as Rocket Raccoon. He's got yellow dialogue boxes, Derek. <laughs> Are we in, we well, all, I'm sold. <laughs> and we all know what yellow sounds like. Uh-uh. No, I don't. I don't know, but yeah, but uh, but no, I you know I I can't remember. Did we say as long as Nathan Fillion is still Star Lord, mm-hmm. I am okay. Fillion and Rooker together would be good. And, I mean, might as well. I That's why James Gunn, do not play coy with us. Cast the friends you have made <laughs> that you enjoy working with. Let's make Kevin Bacon Groot, and then we'll complete, <laughs> wow. we'll complete the I picture. I Groot. <laughs> I, I, complete it and just, like, you know, yeah, yeah, fill it with the people that you enjoy working with. And... Yeah, go wild. Uh, that's that's all I have to say is if Rooker is the choice for Rocket Raccoon, actually, the, the more I say Drax it out, the Destroyer, who would you cast? 
See, I would have gone for Rooker as Drax oh. because he is to me that he's the tough, he's imposing. But my he's vision of Drax is that although I know they played with some stuff with Drax, like his mental capacity has gone up oh, yeah. and down yeah. a few times. Um, so well, who the would, bigger he is, the dumber he is, right? Yeah, but I think that the version that's in the, the current version is, is a smaller, is a smarter, smaller guy. smarter guy. Yeah. So um, who would you go with? For uh, Drax? For Drax, yeah. Uh, Vin Diesel. That's I can not see a bad it. Choice. I Paint can see him it. Green. Put some line, red line. <laughs> Paint on him, him green. No, I can I, see I it. I can see it. I, you know, I don't know if he would want to jump on board that. No, uh, does he want to revive his career? Or does he want to? Uh, be... He's making the next Chronicles of Riddick. And, oh yeah. Uh, like I said, does he want to revive his? Yeah, career? Yeah, yeah. Or you know who else? Then let's just go further. I just give Carl Urban that. Mm, Carl yeah. Urban would be great. Would be a great tracks. Yeah. Who's Carl Urban? Judge Dredd and Dr. Oh, McCoy. Okay. okay. Yeah. And he's in the previous Chronicles of Riddick. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so, yeah. Uh, yeah, I could see that. How and about a, a professional wrestler? Which one would you put? You'd know better than I. Triple H. Goldberg, maybe. But you're just saying, like, Rooker's too old. I think Goldberg's kind of old. Uh, he doesn't look old if he shaves his goatee off. Yeah, and that's probably it's like to be done with CG. Oh, you got to shave everybody down to the bald head. He's already bald. Well, Goldberg And is. he's just got the uh, the goatee that has gray in it. Just shave that off. Boom. Drax. All right. I can Boom. see that. I can see that. <laughs> I, Boom. I, I, I wouldn't take Triple H because Triple uh, – I mean, I don't know if you were throwing that out as a serious. I don't know. He's no, tried to take of. himself seriously. Um, I just don't find him that believable. He can't. Under, this is going to be weird to say, but he really doesn't underplay. underplay. You know, he is just too on the WWE level and everything I've ever seen him in, or too busy trying. You know, but that's kind of what I was thinking of. Drax. Drax is, Drax is uh, Drax. like he he's single minded. No, I agree with the single minded. He had to kill Thanos. You know? I I would agree with the single minded, and I, I mean, even though I think there's certainly, and I trust James Gunn with this is room for a lot of humor in it. Um, I think it's got to be played by somebody who is playing the character not realizing how funny mm. what the character okay. is doing is funny. You know, it's, see, I see him as somebody who hulks out without getting any bigger or stronger. He's just like... But I don't you know that... Stone Cold have Drax running around saying, someone's going to get their ass whipped. <laughs> <laughs> uh, how about John Cena then? As I pull out the very few wrestlers <laughs> whose names I remember. <laughs> but, you know, I mean, that's the other thing. The Drax does have to be older because he was a parent. Yeah. yeah he's Moon Dragon's an alien. He's Moon so Dragon's he looks, father. He's, he's an alien looking. now, but he wasn't originally. He what was a was human. Drax? Yeah. Drax was a human? He yep. was a human. He was killed. And then oh. re and then, revived by uh, um, the Titans. Uh, uh, was mentor. Mentor. Uh, right? Yeah. Uh, Thanos' so, father. Yeah. Who knew? Uh, Anybody did. read those books? Those Zorlag knew. Um, and he's Moon Dragon's father. So, I knew that, yeah. but how come... Carl then, Douglas or David Douglas, something like that. Yeah. How come old he was Drax, when he, when he was died. big, was like all wrinkly like uh, like a scroll? That's uh, just the way Jim Starlin drew him. Yeah. Because I think Starlin created... Oh, look, Starlin created all those characters. Yeah, so. Gamora, Pip. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's what... Where is Pip the Troll in all this? I, I would know. like to see... Danny DeVito could sequel. appear as Pip the Troll. <laughs> Holy moly. Um, Speaking of no, 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 no. You're missing it. We, we do a mocap on um, oh, Game of Thrones. What's his name? Um, uh, why am I blanking? Peter uh, Dinklage? Peter, Peter Dinklage, Dinklage. The awesome Peter Dinklage. Peter Dinklage as... Tri you you do not need to mocap him. 
Oh, I want to put some other stuff. Put him in. in furry legs. That's okay. a, you know you don't. That's not mocapping though. That they can CG. I don't want him to look it. like a small person with furry legs. I oh. want him to look like. Have the you troll. guys seen the trailer for movie forty three? Oh, or, eight or whatever. Number? My lord, Gerard Butler as the leprechaun. Exactly. <laughs> Which James Gunn has directed one of those shorts. That's what I was going to say. Yes. So, he mentioned that in the interview we did a couple summers ago. Yeah. So You could have anybody play Pip. Yeah. I, it's true. Have you seen that trailer? No, I haven't. Stealing jobs from I, I'm like watching this. So it's like Amazon Moon on the Moon. Right. Only no overarching theme. It's just like whatever people do these shorts they think are funny. And it's all star cast. Like some of the some of the names that go past like, well, Hugh Jackman's in it. I'm like, what? What is Hugh Jackman doing in this thing? So with all these short sketches, and it's a red band trailer online so far. And I'm like, yeah, that's oh yeah, that's pushing, it, that's pushing it. And then I saw, and I don't know who knows what the plot is, but it's just like, like these two guys have this leprechaun tied up, and it goes by really fast. And I went, wait a minute, was that Gerard Butler? <laughs> and they showed him full on. And it's they did. They made him. Geez, he's a wee man. And <laughs> so. Um, which is funny because he's actually isn't he Scottish, not Irish, but uh, still, oh, it's, who cares? They all sound alike. Oh, don't! Oh my God, <laughs> we are going. <sighs> that an aneurysm on the way now? Uh, yeah, we're like the anti-UN. <laughs> <laughs> Losing listeners lately. Oh, thank you. Right into yeah, compass. No, but I, 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 to, to go back to it, I think <laughs> if you have somebody like Peter Dinklage and you do the whole Gollum style of yeah, modeling, okay, on as him, you were just saying, and but you use his voice, then I think by contract it actually has to be uh, that guy who was Gollum. Uh, Andy Circus. <laughs> he's, he's the, the only, only one, one actually uh, okay. legally allowed to put on the suit and appear as something completely different than okay. himself. Uh, so, I mean, they tried using Anthony Hopkins. He was apparently confused by the whole thing. So, um, <laughs> uh, where are we? We are going to talk about Captain America Winter Soldier. It was real, uh, uh, they're still talking about who's going to play, uh, Peggy, uh, Sharon, Sharon Carter. Carter. Uh, but they leaked that Scarlett Johansson is going to use up one of her contractual appearances by being in. Uh, but the Black Widow will be in Captain America Winter Soldier. But she's not going to play... No, oh, okay. Uh, she's going to play Natasha, yeah. She's going to play Natasha, not... not... Yeah, she's going to be Black Widow. Yeah, yeah. she's going to be Black Widow in, in Winter Soldier, which, does, uh, which I, now that I say, you know, it does make sense because if Bucky has been captured by the Soviets and reprogrammed, then yeah. she has... That's part of her dark past, and so... That's but the Winter I just Sword, don't remember Sword. previously, until they started all the Winter Soldier stuff, mm-hmm. was there much of an association between Captain... Captain America and Black Widow. She was one of the kooky quartet. No, she wasn't. No, she was, I mean, it goes back to Hawkeye, of course, and Iron Man. Right, right, right. right. But Hawkeye was part of Cap's kooky quartet. There are actually multiple Black Widows. There are at least three different Black Widows. That's a retcon. Natasha Romanoff. Let's stick with Natasha Romanoff. You may be getting confused because of the different stories that there have been. So Almost everyone I've read has been Natasha. I've read many of the miniseries where they established the other ones. But the one that Logan knew, that was Natasha as a child. <laughs> yeah. The one Cap knew, but I just don't remember. I, it's not like when they did Daredevil and the Black Widow, and that, so I understand that association. Right. It's like I just don't, I just don't tie those characters together, and so I wasn't thinking about it cinematically. Okay. Um, but she's going to be in that, and so uh, among the uh, Peggy Carters now, they're lo- I think Sharon Carters. Sharon Carters. I'm sorry, because they, they are looking at the the woman who played Haley Atwell. 
who played her played uh, Peggy in the first one, uh, allegedly will be appearing in Winter Soldier because of the flashback stuff. Mm -hmm. Okay, Um, but the Sharon Carters, like they're still talking to a whole bunch of of people, so who knows when we're actually gonna and here maybe at New York Comic Con this weekend, maybe they'll make a big announcement. Um, So. That's a I don't know, but it'll, but it'll be interesting. And I think there was one of the people mentioned was the girl who's Tenerys, Tenerys in uh, Game of Thrones, the Mother of Dragons. Oh, uh, Daenerys. Another, another one. Daenerys. Was, uh, what's her name from Community? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Which was odd. Uh, Annie. Annie. Uh, now what's her real name? Doggone it. Allison. Bree? Allison Bree. There Bree, we go. Yeah. Uh, she could be interesting. I just wanted to mention Daenerys because uh, Daenerys because we say that. Um, this week it was also announced that Seth MacFarlane, who is dating her, is going to be hosting the Academy Awards. And there's already a parents group up in arms about this. Uh, no. First of all, let me say, I, I watched about half so far of the Saturday Night Live that he hosted, the season opener. Yeah. He was very good, very uh-huh. charming. What an amazing, like, he could be a good variety. I guess he had a special last year, and I didn't watch mm-hmm. it because I just wrote it off. But And then... I discovered that he had recorded an album of big band standards. Yes. Yes, it's really good. I bought it and I've been... <laughs> it's really good. I, I hope that will put the upset parents uh, at, uh, at ease. I, because there's nothing obscene about it. It's like this guy is like... I think they just... You have to realize to do that kind of humor, to do... I mean, he has he, to know. he's edgy. He has to be incredibly brilliant to draw all those illusions together and make, make them funny. I'd like to go on the on record in saying that upset parents are morons usually 99.9 percent of the time especially okay. when you're their kid unless i'm the upset one no did you get up in arms about howard stern being a judge on america's got talent no i did not and you know why you know i why you're not a moron. because i'm not a moron exactly tell me that you're the point one percent oh thank you you're the uh, wow why am i not wealthy why uh, do people think oh because this guy has this show over here right. he's gonna be a jerk and yet again i'd like to TV. point out that snoop dogg had a line of porn films and is a con is an admitted pimp and a huge marijuana user but still appears in children's films he's a beloved children's entertainer exactly there are numerous cases such as this yes, yes. Uh, so anyway, I thanks to that announcement. Does anybody remember who Ice Cube was in the late '80s and early I '90s? Yeah. I had to actually explain to my drama students this year why it was funny that Ice Cube was appearing in Twenty One Jump Street, and how, like as well, I listened to an interview with Ice T saying the same thing, where um, he's on uh, Law and Order SVU, yeah. and how That's there's the this whole generation that has no idea that. Where these guys' careers started <laughs> was at a complete 180 from what could not be further from where. And, and so, and the other thing with 21 Jump Street is explaining to them, and yes, it was a TV show. That's why Johnny Depp appears exactly. in the movie, exactly. because that was his TV show. And they're like, oh. Spoilers, by the way, for 21 Jump Street. Oh, please, at this point. At this point. Oh, my God. But I love that he was in it. Uh <laughs> So I thank the Academy because I wouldn't have discovered this album that I really like. And but I've always said that about Family Guy is that I don't I don't like it except what I what I have come to appreciate about it is that on Adult Swim, if I'm really tired and they're showing like four episodes back to back, I can sleep and get the same amount of amusement because I wake <laughs> up, see a quick reference joke, go, eh, and then fall exactly. back to sleep. Exactly. <laughs> 
but Ted killed me. That movie was hilarious. And but it, it was always saying about about Family Guy was that like I thought Seth MacFarlane was really really talented. I just didn't like what he was doing. But he's going to do the Flintstones too, isn't he? Uh, that has fallen apart. Oh, that has. That's that has right. fallen apart. Because I fully believe he could have done a, a straight up. No, no, no. Well, he started no out working. Blueness. You know, he started out working for Hanna Barbera. Yeah, and I had not realized that that was where he. You know, to me, he's one of those guys that sort of had shown up full blown out of nowhere, mm-hmm. um, going from basically being a staff writer to producing to having created Family Guy, and uh, yeah, just incredibly talented guy. It's just. Yeah, he's not for everybody all the time, but he could be. I mean, it's like when people if ask. he chose to be. When my friends, uh, other than you guys, of course, you know, ask me, like, who's going to be, the, who could be, like, the Sammy Davis Jr. And I say, like, well, maybe Justin Timberlake, but he hasn't done kind of the everybody's entertained by him yet, you know. Um, but Seth MacFarlane, I saw, again, with his album and so watching this, is like, I could see him doing that. Like, he, his career will last longer than I thought it would because mm-hmm. – he could do a lot of different things that people, when they claim they want to throw back to, and I, I really do kind of think that sort of like that. And he's a good-looking guy and yeah. charismatic. He looks like an Osmond. He does look like not, <laughs> and they are not ugly people. No, they're not. They're no. In fact, I'm going to see Donnie Marie at Christmas time. Uh, uh, so, uh, come on over the house. Maybe. I don't want to talk about it <laughs> okay. further. But I do want to talk about I saw a movie last week that opens tomorrow, uh, which is Frankenweenie. Oh, speaking... I got to see the movie last week. It doesn't even open until tomorrow. Uh, you know what? I was going to invite you to screenings in the future, but now not I with that attitude. I think that's absolutely great <laughs> sorry, for you to sorry. have gone to see that movie. <laughs> you guys were busy the night. It was. I, I, yeah. No. Anyway, it's the night before I left for Ashland. Oh, he went to Ashland. Yeah, okay. He went to the Shakespeare Festival. My life is full of extremes. And uh, so I watched Frank and Weenie. Extreme Shakespeare. <laughs> uh, which one is it? Uh, this one of the uh, Theater of Blood, the Vincent Prize movie. Doesn't I kill love everybody? that movie. I've got to watch Diana that Rigg. Oh, I told, so need to see that movie. You haven't seen it? I haven't. Sh- Stop. Let's talk about Frank and Weenie. Then we can move forward. Oh. Frank and Weenie, which is you and I both know, um, there is a character in it that is very clearly Vincent Price. Uh, it's you know somebody else, and, and Christopher Lee gets in there. So it's like all of Tim Burton's. Uh, if you haven't seen the original live action short, by all means, go see. Which it's on Frank one Weenie. of the. It's on Nightmare Before Christmas. Yeah, okay, it's on. It, the, it is on it's a uh, bonus on the DVD, as well as the stop motion film he did, Vincent, uh, which was a tribute read by Vincent Price. And they had all the little maquettes at uh, Comic Con, right? And they're I on display about, at Disneyland they're, that's too. What I was going to say they're on display at California Adventure in the Blue Sky, yeah, in the Blue Sky Cellar. Um, so yeah, I did want to say say that 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 it's it's actually going to tour. It's uh, starting in California Adventure, then it's going to go to uh, I think four it's other go places. To Disneyland. That, no. <laughs> that was a freaking amazing little display. That was. That was. Just like the, the way they had all those scenes set up. And uh, just, I highly, you know, just don't miss it if you have a chance to see it. No, absolutely. And, you know, and, and it's one of, the, one of those projects, too, that, like, everybody at Disney was very excited. I was at Disneyland wearing the, okay, Nate's going to mock me again. So I got a Frank and Weenie t-shirt as a giveaway. Nice. And I was wearing it at Disneyland. And... Cast members were stopping me. You know, it was like in late July and going, oh, 
Where did you get that shit? Yeah, now, hold on, hold on, hold on. When you say cast members, we have to explain to people right, not I'm on sorry. the West Coast. That, I'm sorry. That and, everyone or, or in Florida. Or every, in Florida. Everyone who works or in at Paris. Disney. Or it's called Tokyo. a cast member. It wasn't that you were running into cast members from Frank and Weenie. No. Because that would be creepy. But you know what? But And the thing I discussed. <laughs> that would be. Um, that everybody that works for Disney, not just at, at the parks, right, considers right. themselves cast members. Even on the boat. And I've been on the boat, and they are super cast members. I do want to go on the boat. My cousin led a cruise last year, and I wished we were better friends so I could go. And I can say that because I know he doesn't listen. Um, he's too busy with his winery that he started with one of the members of Journey. Uh, so, <laughs> got to be some interestingly winery. named wine. Basically, <laughs> most of the rest of my family are far more famous than me and successful. I do this podcast. Uh, I don't even yeah, have my own. To go to movie. I don't even have my own cave. But I, I bet they haven't seen Frank and Weenie. Okay, but they will tomorrow. And uh, what I'd say about Frank and Weenie is that uh, if you saw the short, it's basically the short. Then with a with a whole bunch of scenes inserted in between that create a whole different aspect of the plot. But if you cut them out, you'd still have the short. Oh, that's beautiful. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I can't decide how I like the approach, but if I had not seen the short, I would have thought, oh, cute. Except yeah. I realized that one, this huge this huge subplot of all these other characters that had never been in the, But there's so much the, more art involved in expanding the story that way right, but than it, it would be to just write a but, new story. But, that's but what I'm saying thing. is that by, by, by the end of it, it realized that almost nothing that actually happened with those ancillary characters really truly Changed impacted them. the yeah. end. That you, were, you could have still edited it out with yeah. one potential exception. Um, so it was, it, but everything that was from the short is the same, just done with puppets instead of, instead of with Barrett Oliver, who is thanked. And Winona Ryder shows up, uh, like, and, and it was interesting because he really did kind of old school voice casting as well. There's only for the most, like seven or eight major, uh, actors doing four or five voices and their name people, Catherine O'Hara, does about four characters who had she was Sally in Nightmare Before Christmas and Martin Short does five characters Ooh. who does the Vincent Price um, I think that's Martin Short okay uh, so I can see that I, it, 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 it has a Russian accent and so it's sort of like it's its own little but it's clearly meant to be he looks like Vincent Price and yeah. Christopher Lee shows up at some at um, so at one point the only live action section is that uh is that Victor's parents are watching Horror of Dracula on TV, and so they show Christopher uh, Lee. Sounds there. like this generation's Mad Monster Party. No, I think that's Hotel Transylvania. Oh, I haven't seen that. Which yet. opened last week, which I'm hoping to see this weekend. I didn't get to see it, but uh, yeah, which like apparently did really, really well. And there's a lot of talk. Jendi Tarkovsky is going to go from that to doing Popeye. To, to Ooh, so uh, I was Robin reading an article. I again? don't know, but I was reading this article, an interview with him in Wired today. Um, I can't remember, was it, it might have even been Chuck Farnham who posted it. Um, maybe not. Some anyway. Uh, this is an interview with Jenny Tarkovsky, and they were talking about how like what makes Hotel Transylvania unique is that everybody's been trying to do 3D animation, the CG animation, in sort of a kind of a realistic style and make the physics work. Mm-hmm. And Jenny Tarkovsky said. No, let's take the CG and be Tex Avery, yeah, and totally mess with it. Let's talk about cartoon physics. And so uh, apparently, like I, again, not having seen it, a lot of critics thought it was just like too crazy. But I like what you just said. I mean, it's Mad Monster Party, which is coming out if it's not already on Blu-ray 
uh, this month. And uh, so it's finally getting the release that deserved. That's on my list of clearly uh, I have to leave this podcast and go on to <laughs> Amazon and buy this book is full of spiders. I have to buy Mad, Mad Monster Party. Party. And I've heard there's a Blu-ray uh, of Abbott and Costello meet Frankenstein that is supposed to be absolutely beautiful. And I'm not saying that as an exaggeration. It's like the crit- criticisms are like the best horror movie that Universal it, it did. Really, and you've seen it, haven't you? Uh, long ago, because oh. we, we've talked about this. Channel Forty Four, yes, in the seventies, where it always when Nate didn't exist um, was uh, Bowery Boys and Bowery Boys, Abbott and Costello, oh. Marx Brothers, and yeah. then if you were stuck home on a Sunday morning, Shirley Temple. Uh, but <laughs> and they did that in the early in the well morning. <laughs> early, no, she was like ten a.m. Shirley Temple Theater was like yeah, ten a.m. That's well. If my if my dad said I didn't have to go to church. I had to watch Shirley Temple. So that kind of sucked. Wow. I went to church. I was a penance. <laughs> I went to church a lot. Uh, so. Gee, mister. <laughs> yeah. um, <laughs> but so, yeah, Bow- Bowery Boys, too. Although, you know, not a lot of people remember them. But, but Abbott and Costello, yeah, I think, I've seen, I think I've seen all the Abbott and Costellos at least once. But the one where they meet Frankenstein yeah, is great because be- all like the, the, the main Universal Studios monsters are in that. Right. Uh, Frankenstein, Dracula, and Wolfman. And... Bella Lugosi plays Dracula. Uh, Lon Chaney, Lon Chaney Jr. Jr. plays the Wolfman. Plays yeah. Lyle Talbot. Yeah, and who's and the monster? Agonizingly, uh, his he's an oh, no, agonized he's character. Yeah. Oh, great! No, no, no. They they treat the oh, the yeah. thing is they treat the monsters absolutely seriously. <laughs> yes, that's what's amazing. But who's the creature? Oh, um, Boris, not Boris Kolov. Nope. Um, no, he's in Abnix Yeah, yeah, yeah. Killer. Uh, go ahead. I can't remember. No, it's Glenn Strange. Okay. Who was in Star Trek? As uh, the... Zephram Cochran. Yeah. 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 So, uh, they've tied it all to all kinds of levels of fandom. Woohoo! So, you go out and buy that, that DVD fanish boy. I think I'm going to. Anyway, um, I won't get it in time for uh, to show my children this weekend, but uh, I'd like to. Uh, so let's at Target instead uh, of online. Do they have? I, okay, uh, we got to finish up so I can get to Target before it closes. That's a good one too, because that's one you could show a young kid who would and oh, probably yeah. not have oh, yeah. nightmares oh, yeah. from it. Yeah. No, I think we're going to go see Hotel Transylvania this weekend. Um, but we'll see. Um, let's just talk about television. We've been talking about Blu-rays and exciting things. Uh, this is where Dave Tapia did ask, uh, is there was an announcement, and I've got it up, uh, of the characters that, proposed characters in the S.H.I.E.L.D. series. I emailed this to you, excuse me. I right, you did. to you as well. I'd seen it in a couple, I know, but I'm, I'm giving Dave. No, Dave doesn't get credit for it. Well, he put it on the Facebook page. But you know what I'm not seeing is actual correlation like this rumor showed up and i was ignoring it because it was kind of like it like one site said it and all these other sites are quoting the site and it's not really officially from marvel and the only reason that i somehow that site got character descriptions from a toady uh, no you can make this up no they got that no and here's why i'm saying is that joss whedon wouldn't treat us like this poorly (laughs) that there would be there would have to be at least one character who really was in the comics, and this is not at all. Maybe I know he said he wants to be a standalone to protect the innocent. Okay, so we get Sky, this late twenties woman, sounds like a dream, fun, smart, caring, and confident, with an ability to get the upper hand by using her wit and charm. I got issues. Agent Grant Ward, quite the physical specimen and cool under fire. He sometimes botches interpersonal relations. He's a quiet one with a bit of a temper, but he's the kind of guy that grows on you. 
Why and not Jasper Sitwell? Well, because you can have, for that agent, you have uh, Casey from Chuck. What's his name? Voice of Batman. Oh, uh, Adam Baldwin. Yes. Okay. Boom. Casted. Okay. <laughs> agent Althea Rice, also known as the Calvary. Probably the Cavalry. This hard, course, not the not not the uh, hill where uh, Jesus, <laughs> Jesus was crucified. <laughs> this hardcore soldier, uh, maybe she is. <laughs> That's quite a nickname. Uh, <laughs> why do they don't, call her that? Don't, don't go so up there. many men have been crucified there. This hardcore soldier has crazy skills when it comes to weapons and being a pilot, but her experiences have left her very quiet. I actually have have left her left eye very quiet, um, and she's Nick Fury and, and a little dera- little damaged. Agent Leo Fitz and Agent Gemma Simmons. These two came through training together and still choose to spend most of their time in each other's company. Their sibling-like relationship is reinforced by their shared nerd tendencies. She deals with biology and chemistry. He's a whiz of the technical side of weaponry. Um, what do you think of these character outlines, TV Landers? That's the side. Zachary I Levi. Uh, no, I just... No. no. <laughs> <laughs> I just got with this. an eye patch. I just got it that it's Fitz and Simmons. Fitz Simmons. Fitz Simmons. Yeah. He would not do that. I have greater faith in Joss Whedon's creativity. Those are the character types. Oh man. Okay. Uh, yeah. No, I mean I don't know. Uh, they, they, sure, they could all be uh, one advantage. Is that just like Phil Coulson? Uh, if these are all characters that don't appear in the comics, they have no fate. They have no continuity that anybody's going to expect. And uh, Whedon's and his brothers and whoever else is running that show could do anything to them. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't expect all of them to make it to the end of season one, for for example. Now, having said that, Joss Whedon will defy expectations and have them live all they the all way through live. the series. <laughs> They're immortal. Um, it is, that is the, uh, that's how Joss Whedon puts one over on us. I want Sitwell and Quartermain. I don't care what that article says. I know. That's what I'm saying. I think it's, it's fine to do. I mean, it's fine to do a new show with new agents and stuff. I, and it does give you the if, – if, if you had Quartermain on there, he's not going to die. You know he's not going to die. Fine. But if you have yeah, all new agents, that. then who? It's not The Walking <laughs> Dead. It's a S.H.I.E.L.D. show. It's a, it's, it's a Joss Whedon. It's the S.H.I.E.L.D. show. It's a Joss. <laughs> it's a sitcom set on the strategic. Oh, geez. Okay. Um, touring. <laughs> now, that would be good. Touring bases. <laughs> the S.H.I.E.L.D. live arena Thursday show. Thursday night comedy. <laughs> S.H.I.E.L.D. Wow. <laughs> oh, man. Okay. Come on, Fury. Yeah. And on those notes, uh, brought up the Marvel thing is Guillermo del Toro said that the Hulk show is sort of being stalled out. And he's an interesting he's interview today. For a, write, a specific he's, writer. He's waiting for a specific writer, but he did also say further on in that comment that he says, with the success of the Hulk and the Avengers, people at Marvel might be rethinking their willingness to go forward with a Hulk TV show, which is what we talked about. A couple yeah, a couple yeah. weeks ago is because that, they're really looking forward to making another movie. Yeah, they they are, but uh, yeah. Let me write it, Marvel. Okay, Nate, Open go ahead. Holes. Go ahead. Go ahead. Write it. I will. Okay. Um, it's written. Right now, that's amazing. Wow. Uh, I have it on my hard drive. Why don't you talk about? Oh, <laughs> All right. How about Revolution? Huh? How about Revolution? The characters are still pretty much all morons. Why do you say that, Nate? Well, 
episode one. Would you watch the pilot in episode I watched, two, right? I watched through two. I have three. Three is the last, latest one that came so out, right? So every single thing they've done is the exact obvious thing you know they're going to do. There's not been one thing that has happened in the show where I've been like, oh, I didn't see that coming. You saw the the, uh, the woman in the house was going to have the equipment up in the attic? I didn't know she's going to have a computer that she's going to be working on, but I knew, okay, this... I didn't know they were going to come back to her ever again. Oh, I figured they would because, you know, she's harboring harboring a criminal and she'll, she's going to, okay, she's going to have something to do with this whole plot line. Yeah. And sure enough... Well, the fact that the... Uh, flaunting the, uh, power is not a good idea. Well, that Monroe guy uh, who was just another grunt soldier who's now the head of the militia or mm-hmm. the... Oh, uh, it gets better, Rick. Yeah. Okay. I won't spoil see, uh, episode It feels threatening. <laughs> oh, it gets better. But, uh, Should we do a video? It gets better. I mean, you've got... So we've seen that, that there's some power that can work if you have those little weird... Watch fob of doom. Yes. Just, little, just little like Doctor Rounded edge triangle. It's the, it's the Link. Uh, it's the thing Link gets in the uh, Legend of Zelda. Yeah. It's a weird necklace button. Of power. Yeah. <laughs> it's a USB port. <laughs> the weird necklace button of power. That's mm. almost as good as our magical... Well, the thing was that at the beginning oh, we of the, the beginning of the episode, beginning the first episode, we mm-hmm. see the father, before everything goes out, before his laptop goes down, mm-hmm. he is desperately trying to Download get something, off, something off the computer onto that thing. Exactly. And he does it just before everything goes out. Exactly. Pulls it out, snaps that piece in. So he was programming a device he had mm-hmm. um, already, mm-hmm. knew it was coming. There's a whole a lot of implications. And there's there. no way he could have just done that three days ago and then been no, like, hey, been working when, when all the power goes out, this thing's going to be our so savior. I'll okay. tell you what my theory is, and you can tell me if it's been undone by three or if you disagree just in general, that the U.S. or this organization they were with knew someone else was working on a technology that would basically zap the world and so they were working on a counter technology but they weren't quite done with it yet and so they had prototypes or they had smaller handheld devices that might be able to localize and undo it in a certain area but um it doesn't it doesn't necessarily explain what's what the motivation was for zapping all the power but it's pretty easy to write that in as any kind of fundamentalist religion that wants to reset everything to the Stone Age the and Amish. get rid of <laughs> the Amish. What? It's the Amish. Oh, did those I, did I, it? I, I have no counter argument to that. <laughs> <laughs> Other than the Amish are generally peaceful people who live and let live. <laughs> yeah, right. I mean, you're, episode three does show a little bit more of what the what kind of happened, but there's one twist in episode three. It's like, all right, whatever. But that girl, what's the her one name? With the bow Charlie, arrow? could not be more annoying. The girl with the quiver, you know, quiver I, I want to say quiver magical, of magical quiver of, of replenishment. I want to say don't don't like tempt fate like that by saying she could not be more annoying. <laughs> she I don't even I don't even watch the show. I'm she just saying. I'm just saying. If, oh, if really? That's what we was, said about Wesley Crusher. She could be more annoying if she was Lori Grimes on The Walking Dead. Hmm. Boom. I, I think that's Roasted a little, Charlie oh. <laughs> on Revolution. Doesn't she have to get married to do that? 
that could make her more annoying. <laughs> okay. And then she would have to constantly lose her kid that she's supposed to be keeping her eye on. Okay. Oh, wait, she did that because she lost her brother. <laughs> we've, we've arched into another area of discontent. How about we talk about Last Resort? Okay. Go ahead. I loved it. This is the new ABC show that is... With Andre Brower. So it, right there, I love it. Yeah. And um, I'm trying to think of uh, the Daichin Lachman? Lachman? Daichin Lachman? Uh, from Australian-Tibetan uh, mix, ex- incredibly, who, from who Dollhouse. Was, she was in Dollhouse and she was in Torchwood uh, Miracle Day. Yes, she was. And she she's on the island. The, we've already talked about this all. Basically, the plot is... She's a good a, actress. There's I a like US, U.S. submarine that's, that's given... Orders to open fire on Pakistan with nuclear weapons. Right. Just give us give us the log line. But that's they, it. But they basically they basically figure out that there's something hinky with the order. They refuse to do it. They're attacked by U.S. and by U.S. missiles. So they go off to an island and basically send an ultimatum saying, "We're not going to get fired on anymore. We have nuclear missiles, and if you come after us, so this is we not, will explode." So, despite what the title was going to lead me to believe, this it's, is not a Club Med parody. It's sitcom. not a Club Med parody. Although there is a beach. And there are a lot of hunky-looking soldiers and soldierettes. I actually think there, there were women there, on this. There, 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 were, there was a uh, a Charles Grodin improvised comedy called The Last Resort, which was there. And so anyway, possibly. Uh, I think I saw it in the eighties. Improvised. I saw a lot of bad. Yeah, I saw a lot of bad wow. movies in the eighties. But this this has, Mario Van Peebles was in it. It has really good um, special effects. The submarine's amazing. The set for the submarine is amazing. I like the 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 premise. Um, the, it's the first episode, and they've already spun up like three or four different plot lines that are uh, have you guessing? All uh, there's something happening back in the states where there are and people who are either being co-opted or fighting back against what these is shadowy it figures. Scott are. Speedman as well. Yes, not just Andre Brower. So two yes. pretty good actors. Yeah, I mean, well, I shouldn't say pretty good because like Andre Brower, man. If you, I, I assume it's available on DVD, but if you haven't watched Homicide: Life on the Streets. Andre Boward as Frank. Oh my gosh! You really should watch that. Still, just gripping cop show. There's this great scene where they're 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 filming a video that they're going to send back. Basically, their ultimatum: leave us alone. We're now a sovereign nation, kind of thing. And they they go, okay, done. And he, and he goes, how do you, how do I do? And he goes, just crazy enough. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Speaking of just crazy, we said farewell. To a t- beloved television couple this week. Didn't I thought we? you were going to say this is crazy. This is, but here's my, number. here's my number. Call me. Maybe. Uh, maybe. Maybe. Uh, sorry, I'm answering something else right now. Uh, trying to multitask. It doesn't work well for me. Um, no, it doesn't. I'm sorry. You, you're working your thumbs pretty good. And we said goodbye to a television couple this week. We, we did, Nate. And uh, you could have could not have cared less. But we, they were British. We cared more. Uh, they were British, and they were getting lines around their eyes. Actually, yeah. Uh, she's Scottish. She's, she's Scottish. But, you yeah. know, we'll, it's all the same. They all sound the yeah. same. Oh, <laughs> Lord, no. All right. Uh, we say ah, goodbye. And then I was thinking about this. It's really funny that we keep saying, referring to them as the Pawns, when, of course, his name is Rory Williams, but that's right. how big Amy looms large right. in the series. We said farewell. Well, the doctor refers to them as, as the, the ponds. ponds. That's true. He says, we come said, along, ponds. We said uh, farewell to Rory Williams and Amy Pond this yes. week on, on Doctor Who in The Muppets Take... No, The Angels Take <laughs> Manhattan. And um, what did you think there? I thought it was a nice 
you know, when you bring the angels in and their gimmick is if they touch you, you get shot back in time. Some And they abstract. feed off the temporal energy. It really yeah. doesn't make sense. And they, It they, never has really made sense. They did set scary. up the, the fact that the area that they were in New York was it was full of all kinds of time energy, so they couldn't quite land the TARDIS there before they had yeah. something anchoring it. Are we going to talk about the like who shows up and stuff? Because there's some, there's some nice little spoilers for this one. But I can well River I, Song. We can say that because it's, a, okay, it's so it, Rivers the there. Rivers minutes, there, yeah. and she's able to anchor them enough that they can they can make a landing. Right. Um, I I thought you know whenever you're dealing with the angels, when you're dealing with River, when you're dealing with the Doctor, and jumping back and forth in time, you've got a nice little nice little time travel story. Yeah. Um, you had and you had an appropriate way for them to say goodbye. Yes. And to really end cap that more better than most. Um, most of the companions get end capped. Yeah, that's how I felt too. I mean, you know, uh, again, uh, I was uh, in Ashland at the at the Shakespeare Festival with a bunch of students who were all making sure that you know w- we are not in a play during the broadcast on BBC America, <laughs> really? right, Mister McCall, nice. so we can watch. Yes, that there will be viewing parties. I understand. Uh, I uh, waited and stayed up and, and watched in my room later. That um, you know they were coming up to me after and going, it's, I don't know if I'm sad or angry or what, and I, you know, but I felt kind of unmoved. I think for exactly we knew that we knew it that, was they were, that it was coming, and so it's not that I don't think it was well done. I just found it was, myself it was too well done actually because we already they had already had a death scene. Yes, they had already committed suicide. Yes, to save the world. Yes, and then it turned out because the, uh, because of the paradox, they didn't die. We had our cake, so we, we got to eat it, and then, and then he and gave then us they got a painless. Impact. They got a painless death. Yes, where they both went off and lived a happy life. And this has always been my problem with the angels, just like right. um, rewatching uh, the eleventh hour. Uh, Luke and I uh, watched that. That's I was going to start from Matt Smith's beginning, and he thought that Prisoner Zero was cute i thought that was going to be scary to him hmm. but the snake with the large teeth is like because now that's what he wants is a snake uh his like he said oh he's cute he's cute and it's like a sock puppet but with, the thing i felt teeth. yeah the thing i felt about prisoner zero was they're only like scary and there's an element of terror to them because the show says so they never do anything right that and and the, the angels are yes i would like to live in the time the angels, when, when it doesn't matter, the angels are playing this progressive game of, I haven't touched you. You know, they get so close. Well, that's scary. But what they actually do, sending you back in time, you still live. They don't yeah. kill you. Right. So they're sort of like, mm, they're more mischievous. And depending uh, on where they send you back in time, you right. just become a millionaire because you know the results of all the sporting events that are going to take place. Well, which is, I think, <sighs> I should have paid you know attention what you should, to those exactly. And that's events. always the problem. No character has <laughs> taken advantage of that. Stephen Moffat, you cannot have this idea for free. But they're really, but, but you're right. There should be some kind of consequence like that. And the flaw in this episode was that they and I know you don't really follow this but instead they had created a hotel in New York City the where they, the angels had where they were they would entrap people there and then just send them back in time to when the hotel was built and they just live for reasons that were never fully explained live in the hotel until they got almost, old again it was almost like the matrix you know they like were they were batteries. trying they were trying to create the idea that yeah they were they were doing their own farm system yeah 
but it didn't doesn't make any sense. It doesn't add up. And that they they treated the the Statue of Liberty as a giant angel, and when we know the French built it out of steel, not stone. Well, um, you know, tortured probably fixed it later. You know. uh, well, that's the well, that's the other thing. I mean, what I really liked about the episode because I, I I'm, I like this approach is everything with Amy has been she's a fairy tale. He begins yes. the eleventh hour by saying that Amelia Pond, what a great name out of a, a story, a bedtime story. Yeah, and he ended it by going back to her as a right. child and telling her, her the story of her fate. So she already knows. When you realize that the universe has kind of been rebooted two or three times within this run as well, right? It, it's like yes, um, I think Drew. If I can get the review up that Drew Simchick sent me, pointed out that there's an episode in the '60s where the implication is. The Time Lords are all keepers of the story. They are all aware of themselves as fictional characters and oh, misinterpreting. I'm, I'm thinking, you're talking about an episode that was broadcast in the 60s. Yes, a broadcast. Not, not one <laughs> recent one that was set no, in the 60s. No, 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 Broadcast in the 60s. Time travel. So it would have been William, one of the William Hartnell ones. Okay. Where then, then the implication was the doctor was tired of being an observer oh. of stories and a instead watcher. wanted to be part. Yeah. We don't say that because that's owned by Disney. Okay. It's just like Fringe saying, they watch, they watch, they watch. We shall call Fringe them the observer. Uh, back, baby. Oh, yeah. I haven't watched the first episode yet. <gasps> so, um, I know. I just saw today. I was like, okay, I have to get season four on Blu-ray so I can catch up because this is season five, right? Yep. Yeah. So, I just need to get four. Then I can like power through over Christmas vacation. The end of two yeah you've got to be caught up at least four. by the time the finale is oh, okay um but anyway so Fine i like it but but back to the doctor who is that i liked the idea that maybe that, that the doctor's sort of aware aware of himself as fictional so that it makes it makes these little logic gaps okay to me and in this story they were literally characters in a book that got very confusing yes uh <laughs> where river song had written a noir crime novel that the doctor was reading and getting clues, spoilers, if you will, because as the show has said, he could only get the ones that were just right about to happen, not the ones that were far enough in, ahead. I don't think the doctor reads quickly. I, you know, I, I, I did like the idea that he, the the idea of tearing out the last page yeah. and having that mean something at the end that was lovely. The doctor doesn't like endings, yeah. and I think the implications there that reminded the doctor doesn't like to watch people get old, right? Because the other thing I've and I was trying to explain to to my students who were mourning the ponds is. In general, in the series, you know, no, he never revisited, and that's something that um, if you watch the Sarah, the Sarah, Sarah Jane, Jane adventures, adventures, there was an episode with Sarah Jane and one of John Pertwee's uh, assistants, and and that's the one Matt Smith guested on. So, doctor, the doctor was on that, and one of the things was was that the Scots boy. Uh, no, no, no. Um, the the vultures. These these. I I I, okay. I, I have it. But um, and the the thing that they said on that was, uh, so the the assistant, the the companion of Pertwee, complained to him like they got teleported to an alien planet, and she said why? Because Sarah Jane mentioned that that basically the that doc that David Tennant, so the tenth Doctor had visited her, and she said why didn't you ever come back to me? And he said, but you've had an amazing life. I watch all of you hmm. all the time. And, you know, I, I do check in. I care about all of you, but 
I don't want to interfere with your life. And then here's the implication. He also, which they implied, you know, there's been 10 years of adventures for Rory and Amy. There's 10 years of big audio adventures right. of books from BBC right. that we don't get to see. And this is the long, technically then, the longest that any companions have ever been. They've been they've right. been there for, at least, for a lifetime, really, for Amy. And so it was kind of, you know, it, it is a weird capper. And I'm thinking about that is that if if the... BBC continues with Doctor Who after Stephen Moffat leaves, and there's no reason to believe they won't. I mean, there is something weird about this show's been going on forever. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you know, we're approaching the 50th anniversary. Gunsmoke didn't last that long. Even The Simpsons, as much as we hate to think, you know, has kind of got to end, but The Simpsons at least stays in a static age, you know, and comments upon it. So it's just weird to think that this, you know, no matter what you say, it's like it's like it, it's a TV show that's like a comic for the first time. That no matter what you say, uh, what a writer writes, they're not the end. The character will get passed on to somebody else and continue and continue and continue. Yep. And so I think this was Stephen Moffat really truly making a commentary about you know about the story's ending, but the Doctor can't. And so just just weird. We I got, thought it was. I, we I got I, momentarily quasi deep. Yeah. I, and it's a good opportunity for me to say next year is the 50th anniversary. Yes. And um, two Fanboy Planet uh, people will be at Gallifrey, the biggest, I think it's the world's biggest Doctor mm-hmm. Who In Los Angeles, right? Convention. Yeah, it's the Los Angeles uh, Airport Hilton. Uh-huh. Um, Chris Garcia and I will both be there and we'll be interviewing as many people as we can for the Fanboy Planet. Well, podcast. when is it? Because I'm not... Um, I'm not convinced. I'm not going to go to that. Oh, you are okay. Um, I, I don't know. I'm not. I, I'm not quite sure what when it is. It's. I think it's in February. Okay, because I'm, I'm willing to embrace my fandom. Okay, on Doctor Who. This is the only thing. The I. You know. Well, we we should talk because I've actually got an extra hotel room that we haven't released yet. And uh, let's talk. Let's okay. talk. All right. Ooh. Speaking of watchers, they should be in Avengers too. You think so? The Watchers? Will they be? That'd be cool. I think if they've gone cosmic, I think that they will be implied in Ga- Guardians of the Galaxy because I yeah. think Joss Whedon and James Gunn but are But would work- they be part of the Fantastic Four collection? We don't know. Oh, you know, we didn't even mention that, by the way, last week after we February podcast. 15th through 17th. Gallifrey. Thank Gallifrey. you. Yeah. We didn't even mention that last week Fox announced they've hired Mark Millar to be the Joss Whedon. You know why we didn't mention that? Because it happened, it happened Thursday. Thursday. And now, see, this is, nothing's going to happen tomorrow. Everything <laughs> happened by today. Woo! Moving to Thursdays was a good move. Um, anyway, to be the to be the Joss Whedon, of the architect of the Marvel movie ti- titles that Fox owns, which means he'll coordinate X-Men, Fantastic Four, and if somehow they pull Daredevil out of their ass and save that, uh, Daredevil in there as well. Um <laughs> Sorry, no, because you know, but but you, because you mentioned that with the Watchers, are yes. the Watchers part of the Fantastic, Fantastic Four package? Four. Which means that I then, think they're solidly Fantastic. Then Four. Millar could do the Watcher, could do uh, would hand, have Galactus. He would have the Silver Surfer, and the Fantastic Four, and all the X Men. And you could have an X Men Fantastic Four. And as much as he sort of annoys me, um, not that I know him personally, it's just that I just it's the kind of bombast. That I just not, I, it rubs me the wrong way. But I, but I've certainly enjoyed books by him. Um, Civil War accepted, and um, 
But the thought of a cinematic Fantastic Four X-Men crossover sort of went, I would like to see that done right. I'd like to see Wolverine. And I just Would it, you want to see X-Men First Class, or would you want to see classic X-Men? Um, I would rather see... Well, see, I think what, what really should happen is there was a talk about the Fantastic Four when Peyton Reed was going to direct it. Um, the guy that did Down, um, Down With Love, um, that there was a script floating around of the Fantastic Four set in the 60s, and the thing was going to be about... It was going to be like a James Bond... Um, effect thing you know the the that kind of look for all the headquarters and everything uh and the idea was they were going to treat with that idea be what is the, what do the superheroes do when they are the celebrities when they're as big as the beatles which uh, really i mean that's kind of where some of the fantastic the, the lee and kirby well, fantastic four did. definitely did that yeah and so i i would rather they're like, often trying to get into the baxter building and having to fight right, their way but past which is, fans but which is stuff. ultimately what x-men first class took some of that by going back into the 60s and setting it and giving it that kind of swinging 60s vibe i enjoyed that i'd like to see the fantastic four get that treatment and i'd like those two to coexist because at least then the fantastic four's origin you don't have to do backflips to justify everything and have a, have an actress like Jessica Alba show up and say she's a top geneticist and have trouble pronouncing her job title. Yes. So, yes. you know, I'd like to see it go back and, and, and do that. I think the superhero movies should be set in the timeless era. They, they should become once upon a times because then we don't question it so much. We don't need the reality so much and the and the hardcore explanations. We can just give over to the fantasy because that's what they are. Well, it gets it, it's even more interesting because then you have the art department recreating the '60s, and you have right. and you can say, okay, let's do the fantastic fantastic car for example mm-hmm. when it looked like a bathtub. Yeah, you know, and and you, you recapture but, the spirit. And of I it. think that may be why I love Captain America most out of all the Marvel Disney period movies piece. is because it is a period piece. Yeah. It is set in the past. And it's like, okay, justify all this technology and just go wild because we know it didn't happen. That's okay. It's it's wonderful. And I just don't get the feeling with Iron Man trying to like, you know, could he really exist? I mean, it's sort of, I enjoyed that movie because of Robert Downey Jr., but there's that feeling of they are trying to make it seem plausible. Whereas Joss Whedon pushed it back out with the Avengers and said, no, nah, it's not. Let's just go crazy and show yeah. the helicarrier and do all this stuff and bring in the Chitari. Because once you brought in the Chitari, then all bets are off on we have to be realistic. So, Which is I hope that they pursue that and just say, don't be realistic. We know they're not real. Let's just have fun with them. Mm-hmm. Show me what the comics could show me. And on that note, let's say... Tell me what you'd like the comics to show you. Write into editor at fanboyplanet.com or sandpaper at fanboyplanet.com. Subscribe to us on iTunes. Listen to us on the Stitcher app or at www.fanboyplanet.com. Check out PayPal. Check out Amazon through us if you'd like. And until next week and beyond, I will be Derek McCaw, editor-in-chief of fanboyplanet.com. I will be Nate Costa, and I will also remind you to post on the Facebook page what you'd like to hear us talk about. Thank you. And I'm most likely Rick Brett Snyder reminding you to use your powers only for good. And thanks once again to the great Luke Ski for use of his music in this podcast. Visit Luke Ski at www.thegreatluke, L-U-K-E-S-K-I.
www.thepetshop.com. Until next week and beyond, I will be Derek McCaw, Editor-in-Chief of FanboyPlanet.com. I will be Nate Costa, and I will also remind you to post on the Facebook page what you'd like to hear us talk about. Thank you. And I'm very likely Rick Brett Snyder reminding you. Pretty likely. Use your powers only for good. I totally ruined it for you. I'm sorry. Coordination Central. Try it again. And I'm Rick Brett Snyder. No. I'm I'm trying. And I'm most likely Rick Brett Snyder reminding you to use your powers only for good. Preposition trouble. That was what was... Couldn't figure out how I let it We better leave that in. (laughs)